Jesus, he, he, often, he often spoke in parables. And you see, he would, talk about, he would talk about fishing, and he would talk about harvesting and planting and farming and oil and lamps and feasts. And, and he really knew how that's what made him such an incredible rabbi, a credible teacher, that he would connect with audiences right where they're at. And he would just connect with them in such a way where things would come to life and principles that he would apply to a, an eternal an eternal concept. And look at him when he approaches a group of fishermen. And he just now starts to call his disciples. Read Matthew 4.18. It says, one day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers. I'm not going to ask somebody who was here yesterday because then they know what to expect. I like to catch people off guard. It's more fun. So he saw two brothers. No, this is not Luke and Lane. This is Peter and Andrew. Come on up here. Come on up. Come on up. Come on, Lane. Come on. They're all confused. Yeah, Dylan, you can come up again. All right. Today, you guys are going to be John. And so, you guys, so you guys come over here. Jesus is walking along, and he sees two brothers. Who wants to be Simon called Peter? All right. And you're Andrew. And since I'm the preacher, I get to be Jesus. But I'm going to stop in this role before I get to the cross, though, because that. <laughs> Jesus calls to them and says, come follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. What would you think if someone said that to you? A little interesting, huh? I'm going to teach you to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. And followed him. But notice he came up to them. And what were they doing? Go back to verse 18. What were they doing? Specifically. Throwing a, throwing a net into the water. There you go. Let's see how you guys fish. Overboard. You're on the boat. You're, you're in the boat. So you got to go. <laughs> All right. Let's see it. Can I tell you guys something? Yesterday, the example did the exact same thing. So if you were fishing, trying to catch fish, and that's the water, can you explain to me how you're going to get your net back? <laughs> so you better jump in and go swim and get it. They did the same thing yesterday. I don't get it. All right, now you're fishing. I'm not a professional fisherman, but that doesn't look like the way. So let's try it again. Let's figure out a new way. Come on. You guys are the experts, so all right. All right. 
You guys are brothers. You know how to work together, right? All right, here we go. All right. All right, so that works. So Jesus walks up and says, you guys are experts, fishermen. No, he says, follow me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. A little further up the shore, he goes and he sees two brothers. And what are they doing? Have a seat. Your, hang- your legs are hanging over the boat. I better be careful. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm going to start. Your legs are hanging over the boat. <laughs> Got to watch my O's. And they're there. And what does scripture say? He sees two brothers. Who's James and who's John? Okay, what did you say? Oh, you're John. All right. All right, so we find James and John, and he calls, and they're in the boat with their father, Zebedee. (laughs) These are big boys, so I had to pick someone bigger. And he's with their father Zebedee, and he called to them too, and, and they immediately left their net. And, but, but what does it say that they were doing? We were repairing the net. Interesting that Jesus specifically says, I'm going to call two sets of brothers. The first set is out fishing with the net, and the second set is repairing the net. And so this morning, I'm going to preach on this topic, the power of the net. Because I believe that there's nothing in Scripture, this is not a quick demonstration, you're going to be up here for a little while. I believe in Scripture, there's nothing that is, good thing I'm not long-winded though, so you guys will be all right. There's nothing, I believe, that is wasted details. Oh, yeah, but the genealogies, yes, they prove the lineage of Jesus Christ. We need those genealogies, uh, even the numbers that are shared. Even the fact that, that here, our, our writer, he says, he, says I, I, I'm, uh, he, he walked up to these brothers. Here's what they were doing, and, and they both had a net in their hand. It's not a waste of detail. He approached these men with this intriguing opening line, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of people. He was looking uh, for fishermen who would understand the concepts that could translate into catching and developing people, to winning, to being strategic. I find it interesting, though, that he says, first, I'm looking to brothers who know how to throw and cast that net, and I'm looking to brothers who know how to mend the net. When Jesus formed his team, he wanted people who were catching fish and mending the nets, but both of them knew how to work the net. So, take a net and go catch people in the community. No, that's not the message this morning. (laughs) These mentalities would translate into the ministry of these people, though. They certainly did. Peter becomes the one. You know, he's out there, and, and he's casting the net, and, and he, he's the guy that comes out front and center. He's not afraid to stick his chest out and be up front. When you get older, your belly sticks out further than your chest. I'm not there yet. I'm just saying. And so he gets the net caught on his suit coat. Help me out, Peter. 
What did we do, Peter? You got it? You caught a person. Good job. Oh, man. See, he already wanted to demonstrate to you how to catch people. You missed that, honey. I'll tell you the story later. And so, so he's casting the net out, but he, he, God looks, Jesus, he looks at him because he, he knows he's got a guy that he's out and he's working. And Peter and Andrew are going to be leaders in this group because Peter's the one that when it comes time, Lord, is that you in the storm? I'll come walk on the water. Are these people drunk? We're not drunk like you suppose. It's the third hour of the day. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Silver and gold have I not. Like he becomes a leader. And James and John, you look at them, John, you know, John, he was the one that, that appears to be a little bit more laid back, but he understood the value of relationship. He's the one that, come on up here, he's the one that scripture says that he's the one whom Jesus loved and he laid his head on his breast and like, that's John, that's John, you see, hopefully nobody got a picture of that, you'll never live it down. Man, oh man, hopefully they did, we'll throw, show when you get, when I get to be a part of your wedding someday. We'll, we'll throw that picture up. It'll be, I'll say, look at Zach. Look at the, Peter becomes the one who steps out. John's the one who understands the value of relationship. And Simon and Andrew, they're, they're fishing. They're busy. The other brothers, James and John, were mending. You don't catch fish while you're mending nets. In the lives of those fishermen, mending was a necessary evil, but no fisherman wanted to sit and, and just mend nets, right? But Zebedee taught them to do that. <laughs> but imagine you're sitting at the dock and you're mending your net, and these guys are coming in catching fish and bringing them in by the boat loads, and you're sitting here just, you're mending your net. It's a necessary evil, though, because why does something need to be mended? Well, the answer is, is that it was torn or it was broken. Well, how does something get torn or broken? The answer is simple, by being used. Nets don't become torn by lying on the bottom of the boat, laying on the floor, unless you got a puppy. Then it'll be torn. Then it'll definitely be torn. But they don't, they're not meant to hang on a wall. They're not, nets don't get torn by just laying around or sitting around. And I'm reminded of the account in Luke chapter 5 when Peter reluctantly lets down the net in the water. He's fishing. Go ahead. He's, he's out here fishing. And Luke tells us when he finished speaking, he's fishing. And, and, and the Lord says, Simon now go out to where it's deeper and let your nets down and, and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll cast down the nets again. And can you imagine, all right, <clears throat> how many of you work third shift or have ever worked third shift? Raise your hand. Keep them up, keep them up, look around. Don't put them down. Act confident, like you put on your deodorant today. Just keep it up. <laughs> Look around, all right? Those of you who have worked third shift, when you get done working third shift and the morning comes, are you like, man, I wish I could keep working? <laughs> How many of you have worked healthcare third shift? Yeah. You guys ever have a bad night in healthcare? That doesn't happen, right? 
all of the people that you take care of, you usually are evenly numbered, right? One-to-one ratios. And all of your patients are very kind and understanding of what you have going on. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a pastor and I've gone and done some hospital visitations to where I'm like, thank God I get to pray and leave and not have to stay here and take care of you. <laughs> so imagine you just had a bad night. Third shift, you're working health care, you're working whatever you're doing. It's, it's been a rough night. And your boss comes up to you after and says, hey, can I tell you? You've been doing a little bit wrong. Can you stay after? And I'm going to show you how some ways to be more successful. <laughs> You'd be like, I'll take Monday. And... <laughs> Especially after not sleeping overnight and having a rough night. So Peter, you can tell he's probably just a little bit discouraged. He's like, oh, master, I'm the expert fisherman here. We've been fishing all night long and we have not caught anything. I don't think he was like, oh, master, you know. I mean, his, everything I read about Peter, I feel like his voice was elevated. Like, yeah, sure, Jesus. Like, yes. But if you tell me to. But first, I want you to understand what hasn't been working. Don't we do that sometimes with Jesus when he lays things on our heart? And we say, Lord, you want me to do this, but I just want to tell you what has not been working up to this point. And he's frustrated. He says, but if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. And so he does it again. And the net, all of a sudden, you got to shout for some help. I need help. I need help. Nobody's going to hear that. I need help. Maybe your brother might hear that. I need help. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so the catch was so great. Get over here, man. Come on. And that the, the net starts tearing, and, and there's so many fish that they can't even handle it. I'm glad, though, that James and John are willing to mend nets. I'm, I'm glad they're willing to mend nets because the fact that they were mending nets tells me something. That they're willing and ready to fish again. They could have looked at Simon and Andrew and been discouraged. They could have given up. They could have accepted the fact, oh, hey, you know, this ain't going to work. But no, they were going through a necessary phase of restoration to prepare for their future of catching more fish. Thank you, guys. You guys rock. I'll tell you, in 12 years of pastoring here, in years of ministry... And some of you could attest to, it's great to have a former Texas district superintendent here in the house today and his family. As long as I'm giving shout outs, it's great to have Brad and Tyler here too. Brad, he moved away on us, but 
And so sometimes I'll tell you in 12 years of ministry, my wife and I, we have, man, we've tried and worked hard. We've worked alongside of many of you. But there's been some moments of real discouragement. Moments where you had events that you planned and put money into and sent out invites and nobody shows up. Ideas that you had, they said, we're going to do this. And you look around, well, that didn't seem to work very much. I've driven to visit people in jails and they've gotten out of prison and not come. Their families left the church. I mean, like, just discouraging times where you go, all right, Lord. But there's a reason why God walked up and he says, I'm going to call some fishermen. Because in those times when you get discouraged or frustrated and you're like, all right, Lord, oh, it doesn't seem like, you know, I, I've taught Bible studies and nobody made a stand. The people I started teaching, they canceled on me. I can't even finish the Bible study. I invited people and they didn't want to come and they came once and said, no, keep your religion to yourself. And, and we just get discouraged at times. But I look around today and I see what God's doing in our lives and in this church. And I say, thank God for vision. Thank God that I didn't stop after two or three events where there was just nothing happening. And I couldn't measure anything. And, and success isn't always easy to measure. And I look and I see what's going on now with two services and multiple people coming in. And, and I see the way new leaders are stepping up and we're going to build a new church. I'm just so thrilled to be a part of this. But when things go well, we're excited, and it's, it's a great time. But when things don't go well, what can we do sometimes? We just hang up the net. We throw it down. There'll be times in your life that, even in your marriage, that things are just not going as well as you'd like. Our ministries go through difficult times. Tendance isn't always growing. Building's not always full. The altars don't always have flooded with people who need Jesus. And however, if we allow God to work in our lives and make the necessary repairs, the day will come where we will see a tangible, measurable blessing. One day, <clears throat> you throw your net out just like you've always been doing. I taught that Bible study, no matey made a stand. I taught that, can I tell you, that my dad, my mom saw more than 400 people baptized, filled with the Spirit of God, taught Bible studies. My dad wrote Bible studies. His first Bible study had like 23 or 27 people come into the church. It was incredible. And then I came and taught my first one at 17. <clears throat> Man, I come from good stock. My lineage. And I'm going, ah, I'm going to teach that study. Ah. <laughs> my first Bible study had two people in it. And one of them was my brother-in-law who sat in just to help me out. <laughs> Do you know, I taught about six full Bible studies before one person ever came into church. Oh, yeah, good story. <laughs> you don't think I want to be like, Dad, I'm not cut out for this. You know what my dad said? They used to use the term soul winning, winning a soul. My dad said, Gary, you know when you become a soul winner? I'm like, oh, I don't know, when you cross 100, 200, 
write your own Bible study? I don't know, Dad. What, what is it? Obviously, you're successful. You're the evangelism director at the church, traveling, teaching seminars. He says, no, it's when you make a decision to teach and never stop. Because you don't give the increase. God gives the increase. But he calls us to plant water to cast the net. To keep going. To keep going. To keep casting the net. Because when you make a decision that I'm going to keep casting the net no matter what the results are. That's who God's called you to be. And so, my dad, he'd, he'd encourage me and these, these nets, though, they're, they're, they're found throughout Scripture. And I think there's a message just in the net itself. Because the net is a powerful thing. The, made, the Lord made certain. He says, my first disciples, Scripture says, my first disciples are two sets of brothers who know how to work a net. Fishermen who know how to work a net. Because someone who worked daily with a net understood something. There is a lot of days when you work hard and you cast the net out and there's nothing. You cast the net out and you're excited, but there's nothing. And you cast the net out and you, and you pull it in and, and yet you're like, okay, we get the point. But there's a lot of days. It's not that long, Lane. Your thought was going to hit you. A lot of days where you cast that net out and there's just nothing. But Jesus says, you know what? Take me to where the fishermen are. The fishermen? You want to go to the fishermen? What are, you, are, you, are you talking, if you're wanting to start something, you want to go down to the, to the temple, to the synagogue? Let's get a, an eloquent speaker. Let's get one of the, let's get one of the, one of the Pharisees. Let's get, let's get somebody who, who's a rabbi. Let's, he says, no, 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 no. Take me down to where the fishermen are. Because we're saved by the foolishness of preaching. And, and scripture tells us that. But you know what? Jesus didn't call one preacher. He looked down and he says, take me where fishermen are. Yeah, but they're not really respected. They would have been, why would you go and want them? Because just take me there. Because you know why? Fishermen understand something that other society might not understand. They understand the power of the net. They understand that every day they'd go up and fish them and they'd work hard. They'd work through the year, morning, noon, night. So they would fish a lot of times in the evening, in the cold, in the hot. And a lot of times they'd have days like Peter had where he'd throw out, throw out net and pull it in and there's just nothing there. And you know what? There's a lot of times where you teach a Bible study and people don't make a stand. You invite coworkers to Hope Fest and, and all the people that you, you posted the thing on the bulletin board and, and nobody came and that's discouraging. And sometimes you just get sick of the empty net. That you're tempted to just be like, I'm not, I can't do this. I'm meant to be a fisherman. Let me talk to someone right here that you used to teach Bible studies, but somewhere along the line, someone didn't come. Someone didn't make a stand. People canceled on you, and you've retired and put the Bible study notes and binder away. Because you didn't have the measurable result that you wanted. But Jesus speaks a message. 
And he calls fishermen for a reason because the fishermen understood that even when the net's empty, I know that if I keep casting, at some point, it's empty. It's empty. It's empty. And all of a sudden, whoa, guys over here, come on, help me. Give me a hand here. Hurry. The net's breaking. Call the next boat over. Because at some point, when you teach these Bible studies, there it goes again. Didn't happen once yesterday. You teach Bible studies and it gets so discouraging, but all of a sudden, if you just, the principle of the path, you just keep going, you just keep casting the net, one day you wake up and you say, guys, I got two rows saved for all the people that are coming to church today. Would you mind if I take half of this row too? Can I have someone come over here and sit with my friends? Because so many people are wanting to pray. And I need some help. I need some help over here to help me with this net. Because I feel like in this end time hour. That the greatest principle to revival is we need fisher men and women in this church. And Andrew's like, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm talking about people who know how to work the net. And what comes with the net is discouragement and disappointment at times. But people who will make a decision that I will continue to cast this net every day, over and over. Because I know if I'm faithful and I follow God's voice at some point. Even after empty times, times of discouragement, there's going to come a day where everything that I've been wanting to happen is going to begin to happen because I've been faithful. But you see, there's something else about this net. And Refuge Church, we understand this here. Because what gives the net strength? You see how you have this vertical line, this horizontal line. That's what gives the net its strength. Because there has to be an emphasis on vertical and horizontal. And at Refuge Church, we believe in this. There has to be an emphasis in vertical. I have to make sure that my relationship with Jesus Christ is what it needs to be. But there also has to be an emphasis on horizontal. Because I've been around churches where the only emphasis is just on vertical. And now some of you might disagree with this, but... If, if a church only emphasizes vertical, it's not a healthy church. Are you serious? Well, they'll be walking with God. 
Yeah, but the scriptures are jam-packed with being grafted into a tree, the body of Christ. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Bear one another's burdens. And so if all I say is we get, because what happens is sometimes people cast a net so many times that they get discouraged. And so they just kind of hang the net up and say, all I need is Jesus. If I, I'm just going to come to church, I'm going to worship, pay my tithes. I'm just going to be focused on my relationship with God. And we think that that's admirable. But we get to the point where we just coast through life and all we're saying is, I just need Jesus. I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to talk to him. And you do need Jesus. And I need Jesus. But if that's not the way he designed his church to be is to just be vertical. It's vertical and horizontal. That's why he says, what I give you, go give to someone else. And we're supposed to make disciples. But I've also been a part of around churches where it's just emphasis is horizontal. Oh, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have a mechanical bull in our church parking lot. (laughs) But if all we have is mechanical bulls and bounce houses and never great moves of the mighty spirit of God, then we're great and horizontal, but there's nothing vertical there. And guess what happens when you lose one or the other? happens when you try to catch fish all I did was cut three horizontal lines you still have the vertical in place but what happens is when the church says I don't think vertical is as important or I don't think horizontal is as important you lose something to where when fish come into the net they go right out because the church is missing a key component of the power of the net And that's why when Jesus says, I'm going to go call disciples, take me to people who know a thing or two about the net. Because my church is going to be founded upon this principle. People who know how to work that net, who know how to cast it, who know how to mend it, who understand the vertical parts and the horizontal parts. So that when I give them fish, it doesn't go right out. Because churches, sometimes we're so excited about people who come in, but when they walk in the front door and out the back door, there's an issue. And typically you'll find, well, what is, what's missing? Is it the vertical or is it the horizontal? Because God says, give me the fishermen who are going to understand the principle of Galatians 6, 9. You, you, what does it say? You will reap if you faint not. If you get to the point where you keep casting that net, and I'm not stopping, I'm not quitting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reap. If, uh, if you're going to get to the point where you will catch fish, you will catch fish. So I'm talking to someone this morning, maybe online, maybe in person, that right now you've got to get back out there. 
You've got to grab the net and you've got to start casting again. There are people you work with who are related to you, who live on your street, who you go to school with, that they don't know Jesus. They don't know anything about him. They don't understand that God, he robed himself in flesh, died on a cross, paid a price for their sins, wants to wash those sins away, fill that person with his spirit. And you have answers to people's salvation. You have answers to eternity. But we've hung up the net. We've stopped for whatever reason. And we're just not casting. We think, well, I'm not talented enough or I'm not good enough to lead a P7 club or teach a Bible study or, oh, you know what, I'll just serve in the local ministry of the church, which is a great thing. But if all we're doing is serving inside the boat and we're not casting anymore, that's not God's will for his church. We gotta be people who are always casting the net, always, always looking for more, always looking to make a greater impact. Why are we building a new facility? Why are we looking to do that? Just so that I can offer you or me more uh, ample children's ministry space, or let's put in a slide, or let's put in, let's, you know, it's not just that. It's so that the community in which God has called us to live, more and more people can come in and experience hope when they interact with us. That's why we want to create a facility where continued growth can happen. But we need people who are willing to keep fishing, who understand the fishing, the net, understand the value and understand the value of the horizontal, understand the value of the vertical, because there's power in the net. But today, as we bring this to a close, in just a moment, we have to find a place to pray. Why? Because when we look at the net and we see the, the visual that Matthew provides when he says, yeah, he walked up and the first two sets of brothers he called were fishermen who were working with nets because that vision, because that vertical and that horizontal. And so, how are things between you and God? How are things between you and others? Because if you only emphasize one in your spiritual walk, you're going to have holes. And you're going to find that you're not going to be as effective being a fisher of people if we only emphasize one. I just need God. You do need God. But why did God give you a church and a body of Christ and graft you into that? And tell you we're all members in particular. And why did he put so much emphasis in being a part of a greater whole? A church is more than a social club. If all we do is get together and we don't grow and get challenged and convicted and make changes to where we say, God, I want to know you more. I want to grow. Worshiping together, the vertical should also connect to the horizontal. And that's the power the net so how are things between you and God how are things between you and others for some of us we say oh man it's it's time for me to get out of here and start casting again for others it's time to mend the net and that's where it's so beautiful as God can speak a message 
And every person can take where they're at and they can go to God with it. Because for some of you, God is challenging you to get out and cast the net more. When's the last time that you made an impact in someone's life? You brought someone to a Bible study, taught a Bible study, brought someone to a small group, invited someone to church. If you can't remember the last time, it's been a long time since you've cast your net. It's time to cast it again. But for others, there is issues there. I haven't been where I need to be with God. I haven't been where I need to be with others. And there's holes in my net. And I got to get to an altar and I need to, I need to mend the net. I need to close some things up. Well, yeah, but then I got to talk to this person and, and then it's awkward. And I say, can I talk to you? And I don't even know how to start. And Listen, figure out a way to mend the net. Figure out a way to mend that net. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be the church of the living God, there are going to be days that you cast the net and it's empty. And it's discouraging. And things didn't go the way you wanted it to go. And you taught the P7 club at your school and nobody showed up or somebody started making fun of you for doing it. I don't know if I, I don't even know what to do. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. But sometimes you need a voice like my dad and says, you know when you become a real fisher person? It's when you get your net and you keep casting and you make a decision that it don't matter what the next catch is, this is who I am. It doesn't matter what the next catch is. It doesn't matter if it's empty. Yeah, but isn't that discouraging at times? You better believe it. Absolutely. But who I am is not dictated by the results. If I'm going to be a fisher, then I'm a fisher. And there are days when they're biting and there are days when they're not. And that's why probably I don't fish so much, Andrew. I don't got enough patience for that, man. I'm like, woo. My dad taught me how to fish. We went once together. And my mom kept saying, uh, honey, to my dad, I don't think you're supposed to move places every five minutes. I think you're supposed to find a place. And my dad says, I am playing biting here. Let's go to the next place. We'd sit down. We'd cast three times. He's like, eh, it's not biting here. Let's go to a different place. That's, that's where I was raised. Now my wife, she fishes and tries to teach the kids to fish. She's like, go do this. Go grab that. I'm like, what's that? I know what a fishing pole is. Give me the hook. I know what the worms are, but You need a voice of wisdom that says, if you're a fisherman, if you're a fisherwoman, then be who, you, be who you're called to be. And let it not be dictated on the next catch or how many you can count or how many you can measure. Grab your net, mend the net, and start casting. Let's stand to our feet.
think it'd be good to find a place to pray this morning. And everybody, it's going to be different. For some, it's that discouragement. For others, it's the fact it's time for me to start casting again. Jesus, help us to be fishers of people.